An idea has just been born. No one has seen it yet. It's tiny, but with the potential to change everything. Every new idea is precious in this way, sometimes fragile or half-baked. Its worth might not be immediately obvious. To survive, we must protect their little sparks. There it goes. Good luck, little guy. So many ideas like this are never realized. They could have been so much more than a line in an email or a mumble on a video call. When ideas are explored on Miro, the visual collaboration whiteboard, they're seen by the whole team in real time. Thoughts come to life and grow through team collaboration. Miro is a space where all ideas are taken seriously, and seriously good ideas come together in unexpected ways. Join over 30 million people collaborating at Miro.com. M I R O.com. Hello, my name is Karina. And in this podcast, Break Fear, Find Freedom, I have conversations with people just like you who have broken their fear and found their freedom, whatever that may be. And you, and shows you how to do the same. So sit back, relax, grab your coffee or your running shoes, whatever makes you happy, and let the fun begin. Oh, by the way, come take my hand. And let's go. The door's opening now. Hello, everybody. This is Karina again. And I'm so excited to have Dr. Terry Levine with us today. Um, you're going to just love Dr. Terry Levine. She's got so much to tell us about herself and about the world and about what she's doing. But I'll let Dr. Terry tell you all about that. Um, Dr. Terry, hello. How are you today? Hello, Karina. I'm doing great, and I'm really happy to be with you. And um, yeah, I'll just give people a, a brief background. I have been a business consultant for the last 27 or so years. I have worked with people all over the world in 19 different countries, over 6,000 business owners that I have wow. been privileged to be able to help. I'm the best-selling author of many books, including my newest one called The Conversion Equation. And I have a television show and a radio show. More importantly, I dedicate myself to helping other business owners have the kind of success I've had. So I just pass it back to the world through Heartrepreneur. Oh, I love that. It's just so much there. And we were talking, I just have to, we were talking just before about all your homes you have. Um, I know that's just off the topic, but I'm just it's just like shows you how um you're really living the life of the online heartpreneur. Um yeah. and uh you living what you teach. So that's exciting. Tell us a bit about if I was a um one of your clients, what would I be doing? So my clients are typically coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, authors, healers, naturopaths, people in a service business, and they want to be able to do sales and marketing and grow their business untraditionally. And what I mean by that is not by doing Facebook ads, not by emailing us a bunch of stuff, um, not by pitching us, not by sending us messages on Messenger, truly learning how to have heartfelt communication 
so that what I call reverse marketing happens. People raise their hands and they come to us. Just this morning in my inbox are nine people asking how to work with me. So every day people raise their hands and they ask you for their help. You don't need to market to them. You don't need to sell to them and you don't need to spend money on advertising. So that's what I help people do. I help them create successful six and then seven figure businesses using a heart to heart method. It's called the conversion equation. Same title as my new book. <laughs> <That's your> new <laughs> book. <laughs> what a coincidence that is. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's just how I feel as well. You know, in the in the online space. And everyone's telling you the same thing. And it's just become so overwhelming with all the things you have to do, like newsletters and posting every day and then trying to like PA people, I'm here, please help me or come, I can help you, but come to me. And it's just so exhausting. And at the end of the day, you feel like you're on this treadmill. So, yeah. so how do you get off? Yeah, so the very first thing is stop doing what everyone else is doing. And I really mean this because most of those people that you see that you think that must work, it must be successful, tons of them have become clients of mine because it doesn't work and it's not successful. <laughs> I what love you it. So the way that I've done business, this is my eighth multi-million dollar business, and I've always done business the same way. And in this consulting industry, 27 years ago when I started, you know, we didn't have Zoom, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have any of that. And I was able to get 30 clients in 30 days the first year as a consultant, as a coach. I did right under 500,000. The second year we hit a million, and then we've done mil millions ever since. And this oh, is it's, it's really simple. It's a proven formula. And if you do it, it will work. You create education and value. And I'm going to say the words again. I really want people to hear this, Karina. Education and value. I don't pitch people. I don't come after people. I don't email them a bunch of junk. I don't message them. I connect with people who I choose to be connected with that I just either like or potentially I might be able to help and or I just want to have a connection. There's some reason that I feel attracted to them. Mm -hmm. I connect them. I give them something of value, whether it's an invitation to my closed private Facebook group, whether it is my free educational class on how to get a conveyor belt of qualified prospects, whether it's one of my books, an ebook, a report, a video series, whatever it is. And I just give with zero expectation, not the law of reciprocity. Now they're going to buy. No, that's all. So I open the door to a heart to heart relationship. And then some of those people kind of look at my things or they join my community or they watch my class or they whatever. And then they raise their hands and come to me. And yes. from that, people purchase without me having to sell, market, manipulate, or advertise. So that's the whole formula. I love that. I love that. And it feels, it feels so real as well. But so you've been in this business for 27 years, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, it shows you've, you've got all these clients. and But there had to be at some point a time when you were afraid where you didn't know what to do. You know that fear when you're in the corner and you're just so afraid? You don't even know why you're afraid, but you're afraid. Mm -hmm. um, have, you, have you ever felt that? And how did you get out of it? <laughs> so uh, 
I, before I started this business, I was president of a national healthcare company. And, you know, I was making a high six-figure income and I had stock options and bonuses and a whole lot. And I was miserable for five years, right? Every day I was miserable. And I wanted to start this coaching and consulting business. And quite frankly, I had ridiculous fears running through my head because I'd already started multi-million dollar businesses in a lot of industries and I knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. I had this fear that I was going to quit this really successful thing, fall flat on my face, be completely unsuccessful. And I remember even having this ridiculous thought of why well, I could always work at McDonald's. Now that's really <laughs> number one, I was CEO of a national healthcare company. I'm sure I could have gotten another job as a CEO. I'm also, a, I was a clinical psychologist. I also had a master's degree in speech language pathology why would I even think I would work at McDonald's, right? I mean, so the fear wasn't logical. And the way that I got out of it is I literally took paper and pen and I started writing down, is this true? For everything that came up, every fear, every question I have, I just kept writing next to it, is this true? And it was no, 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 no. And then finally I said, Terry, this is ridiculous. And then I took action and moved forward. Wow. Wow, I love that because it's it's actually you took action and you had the courage to to write things down. <laughs> I did. And it, it shows you how your mind plays tricks with you and it just drives you crazy, right? I mean, imagine working at McDonald's with all your degrees and being in this half out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was silly and I had to see it on paper to really recognize because the stories were running. And the, once a fear story starts, all these other stories attach. And consciously, I wasn't catching them and going, wait a minute. When I did the paper and pen, it allowed me to catch them and go, wait a minute, is this true? Like, really, I'd work at McDonald's? No, that's ridiculous. And as I worked through them, I just saw they were absurd. And literally the next day I resigned. Wow, I love that. But it also shows you how, you know, when you actually write it down, it, it makes sense. Yes. So, and then that was it. Hey? The rest is history, right? It really is. <laughs> I'm so happy doing what I do ever since. <laughs> so, did you find freedom? So, 100%, and, and I'll share that. Um, working in corporate America, First of all, I was on a plane usually three to four days a week. I was sleeping in hotel rooms. Um, I worked for a company that thought it was appropriate, even if I was in the restroom, to have my secretary knock on the door and say, there's a call. I'm like, I'm wow. in the bedroom. Right? Um, at the time, you know, we had fax machines and we had cell phones and we had email. And I also carried a pager back then. And it, I was nonstop attached to a J-O-B. And what happened for me is on weekends, I didn't want to be social. I told my husband, I don't want to talk to anybody, no friends, no family. I don't want to go out. I talk to people all week. I want quiet. Mm -hmm. I became like in a little rut of just needing this quiet. Um, I had no freedom. In fact, I remember thinking, you know, this company treated me as if they owned me and I had no time freedom whatsoever, nor mental freedom. And yeah. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating well, I wasn't sleeping well, my hair was falling out from stress. Here's the difference today. The day I say goodbye to my J-O-B, 
I set my work hours. What days and times do I want to work? I decided to have life that was a freer life. Yes, as you and I were talking, I live in Mexico about four months out of the year. I have a beautiful home there. Right now, I'm in my home on the beach in New Jersey. Right behind me is the ocean, which I love. And then I also have a home in Philadelphia that I'm in part of the time as well. So I can work from anywhere. I work on my hours with the people I choose to work with, only doing the work I love in my zone of genius. That is freedom. I get to give back to my community. I have a foundation for children. I have health practices and spiritual practices. I have time to get up in the morning today and take a walk on the beach later uh, to go for a swim. That's what I want people to have. Sorry, I get so excited. Uh, I know, but that is exciting. That's exactly the, the vision of, of what everyone, that's the life that we all should leave, live. Yes. Um, so that's, that's, yes, that's freedom. Um, oh, okay. I, I thought of something and then I got sidetracked. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> um, so I, I, like I said, I love that. You're um, telling me a bit about, so you'd find people, how do people find their zone of genius as well? Because there's just so many things, again, like me, I, I write, I do a podcast, I of course, I'm trying to get onto social media and um, I'm loving what you're saying right here because it makes so much sense to connect people on, on a heart-to-heart -heart, um, heart -heart level because uh, I also feel when I give someone, I don't expect reciprocity. I don't expect something in return. Yet a lot of people live that way. You know, they, if you give them something, they, they feel obliged to give back to you. Um, mm. How do you get over that? Um, you know, I actually really will say I learned that from my mom when I was very little. Um, my mom would say, give for the sake of giving and don't expect anything. And so I was a very little girl, um, grew up in Yonkers, New York, and we grew up in a, a pretty poor area. We didn't have any money either. And I remember there was a gal that was bussed into our school from a foster home mm. and wore the same clothes quite frequently and she didn't have very many toys and I remember saying to my mother her name was Jackie I said I want to give Jackie clothes so my mother helped me and we put together a whole box of clothes and then I said I want to give her all the dolls I don't play with and all the other toys and so I gave that to Jackie and I remember how good it felt mm -hmm. and then Halloween we lived in an area with tons of tall apartment buildings. So I did all of this crazy trick-or-treating. I had to run home five or six times to drop things off and go back out. <laughs> my mother had to help me. I brought all the Halloween candy to school. My mother and my teacher helped me. And when Jackie came off the bus, this huge amount was sitting there for her. That was a very important lesson for me. Give for the sake of giving. Yes, yes. I, I want to address something else that you mentioned. So you talked about zone of genius. I talk to my client family members about this a lot. First of all, you need to sit in the CEO chair. And most entrepreneurs make a huge mistake. They're writing emails. They're writing newsletters. They're doing the social media posts. They're speaking with prospects. I can go on and on. Yes. You sit in the CEO chair. And this as the CEO, ask yourself, would Mark Zuckerberg be doing this? Really? Would he be answering his own email? Would he be the one creating the post? Don't be ridiculous. The answer is no. 
Yes. So the first thing I teach people is you sit in the CEO chair and there's plenty of people that you can find, even if you don't have funds, that will barter to sit in the other chairs. Trust me, I've started every company this way. It paid nothing. Wow. And people have sat in those chairs. Now, what's my zone of genius? Well, my zone of genius isn't sitting and writing emails. It's not even doing my podcast. Somebody else co-hosts it. It's not writing my magazine articles. I write books because that's my hobby. What is my zone of genius? It's coaching and consulting people. That's mm -hmm. what I do. I don't do any other tasks in my company other than that. And I write books because that's a hobby that I love to do. Other than that, I stay in my lane of what comes easy, effortless, and naturally to me. And I don't go down rabbit holes that are not sitting in the CEO chair. I want people to really hear that. Oh, you know what? I love that. Because a, a lot of times as, as a, an entrepreneur or trying to be an entrepreneur, whatever, you know, it's, um, you find that you're doing, you're going down all these rabbit holes, but you keep feeling, well, I need to make enough money because I need to pay someone to do my emails or my, so I mean, I really don't like doing social media. It's, it's, it's time suck. I get it, it really is. And it's fun to do the graphics and whatever, but really, so how, what, how, how where would you start? Like, how would you barter? So, so I need someone step, to do a, so, be a social media manager and just do all the social media for me. Great. So uh, my social media manager does it and it's a barter. And so basically I do something for them. So they're in one of my consulting programs. It's a $7,000 program. They're gifted the program in exchange for that. For six months, they do my social media. Uh, when I first started, I needed a virtual assistant. I found an amazing virtual assistant who's been with me forever and came on board as a barter. I will teach you to grow your virtual assisting agency, which is what I do. And I did in exchange for you being my virtual assistant. Um, there's always ways to barter. When people come to me and say, yeah, but you have all these people on your team and I don't have money, pay them commission, pay them a percent, pay them team-based pay. I have a, a gentleman on my team who wanted $1,500 a month. I said, nope, I pay zero. He went, what? I said, here's the deal. We do team-based pay. The whole team is able to meet my revenue and profitability goals. You will make way more than $1,500 a month. I just paid him for last month $3,782. And that's kind of an average. He goes between, I would say, $3,500 to about $5,500 a month way better than the 1500 you wanted. So wow. there's ways to do this. I always say, find a way or make a way. You don't need to spend money. I love that. It's just such a, a total refreshing, and you just need to switch that mindset. Right. Um, and, yeah. and yes, and feel like, oh, I can do it. Um, because like I say, go back to that rabbit hole and you lose track of what you really need to do. And I don't actually feel like an entrepreneur and I don't feel like a person that can actually make the money I'm trying to make because I'm in just stuck in all this overwhelm. So a suggestion that I have is, and I, I have client family members do this, is take a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil. Don't keyboard. That only uses one hemisphere of the brain. We want to use both hemispheres. Keyboard every single task you're doing and then ask yourself, Number one, is that necessary? And number two, have I gotten a return on investment? If you're posting all over social media 
And that is not increasing the amount of prospects you have and the people you get to help who pay you. Just stop doing it. Not everyone is going to be successful with social media. If you are sending out emails and your list doesn't pay attention to them, stop doing it. It doesn't mean that that's a way to communicate with your list. So look at every task you're doing. I know people have been podcasting for years. I'm like, did you ever get a client from it? No. Are you making money from it? No. Well, if it's a, a hobby, awesome, and you have free time, great. Otherwise, stop doing it. So look at every single thing you're doing and ask yourself, am I doing this to boost my ego? Or am I doing it because it's a should that I think I need to do? Or am I doing it because it actually is building my business? And am I sitting in the CEO chair doing it? Or am I doing tasks that somebody could get paid on Fiverr $5 an hour for? You really need to constantly be asking those questions. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you can just um, keep focus on, exactly. on that. Wow. Sure. That's a lot of food for thought. I love this. Good. So, um, so you must have like a really big team and, and uh, let me go, let me go back. And um, I do, you mentioned something about working as a team and paying as a team. I love that concept because then everyone collaborates. So what would you, would you do something like that as a sales team? Would you get a, a bunch of people as a sales team and say, okay, go and sell my stuff. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head, right? Yeah, so I set up all my clients, companies who want to do this, and most of them do, on team-based pay, which is what I've done for years in my companies. And basically the way it works is everyone on the team gets paid based on results. It's results-based pay. Some people may get a small, and I do many small, hourly amount, um, and everyone else is based on team-based pay. So every month we have a revenue goal and a profit goal. If we all work together and you're working, let's say on sales and someone's working on marketing and someone's working on content creation, whatever it is, we're all doing what we need to do. And we hit our revenue and our profitability number. Everyone in my company shares in that bucket which is why this guy who wanted 1500 bucks is making, you know, three to 4,000, some months, 5,000, because my team is all really working together. The problem that I found when people don't do T-based pay is sales works in their own thing. They don't really care what happens after they sell. They just care about selling. Marketing works in their own thing. They don't really care about sales. Operations works in their own thing. Instead, I bring every member together and they work together, they coordinate together, they speak together, um, you know, what's happening on our podcast, and is that podcast doing what it needs to do for sales and marketing on the bottom line, or if not, what are we going to do about it so everyone gets paid? Yeah. Different way of thinking, and it is a highly successful method. I have a white paper on it, and my clients who do it are literally crushing it. Mm, I'm sure. So I like I like the way you're actually taking that heart to heart into your company. So again, you walk in your talk. Yes. Um, and that's so refreshing because a lot of people um, talk about, well, you know, they do this, they do that. But when it comes down to actually speaking to them, then you realize mm, there's a crack somewhere. Um, so this whole thing. Well, that's pretty cool. I just want to um, just divert again and and. Talk about your home in Mexico and walking on the beach. 
Um, why Mexico? Hmm, great question. So um, to be transparent, I happen to have a neurological disease. It's called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And I was given that gift about 18 years ago. I was unable to work for about 18 months. I was um, in bed in a wheelchair. I was on 29 medications a day plus ketamine, which is a hallucinogenic elephant tranquilizer that was ported into my veins. Um, so I was getting those infusions and obviously couldn't do my work. However, because I had set up a business that was passive income, my company kept making money even though I couldn't do the consulting at the time. After trying many different things, um, 19 different kinds of doctors, about 14 different kinds of healers in nine different countries, wow. a neurologist said, go to this area of Mexico. There's a barometric pressure there that is making a huge difference on people that we're sending there. And I think it will help. Um, I went four days later, I stood up for the first time. And within a week, I was actually able to take some steps. Because of that, we knew that that was a place for me. Instead of staying there for a week, I stayed there for a month. And then the next year, we bought a place and uh, been there ever since and literally has changed my life and my health. Wow. So glad you asked. Um, it's a miraculous place for me. And I love living there. Um, I love the beach. I love warm weather. I love the Mexican people. I love the culture. I love the food. So I'm actually overjoyed that I ended up finding a place that I can call home. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Now that um, is a story um, of breaking fear again uh, in, in such a, a, an intense level because I, don't, I cannot ex understand how you must have felt um, at that time when it just said, so, so was, was this a gradual thing or did it just happen? And then so, you were stuck. Yeah, so um, RSD, reflexive sympathetic dystrophy, uh, typically occurs as a result of an orthopedic injury and it's instantaneous. And so I was working out with my trainer and I tore my Achilles and then I went to the hospital where they kept me waiting in the emergency room for three hours. I ended up going into shock. Oh. And then I was nonstop screaming and screaming and screaming. And I remember to this day, I was in the hospital and I grabbed the nurse by her arm in the emergency room. <laughs> and I said, when am I getting the morphine? And I remember her eyes got huge. And she looked at my husband and said, we already gave her a large dose of morphine. This isn't normal. So right away, we knew the intense pain was not normal. Again, I am very open um, with my story. There came a point during those 18 months where I literally went to bed every night praying that that would be my last day on the planet. The pain is so excruciating. RSD is the most painful disease known to humankind. Sure. On the McGill pain scale, RSD is here. The brain tumor is here and cancer is here. So there is a world of difference. Wow. And um, I actually, you know, contemplated even leaving this world. I talk about it in my book about to break the path to true forgiveness. And one day I stopped having a pity party. I went online and I realized there were children with this disease and I could barely tolerate it as a very strong adult, mental, 
mentally strong, as well as someone who had been physically strong. And then I turned the focus on starting a foundation for kids along with my husband's help. And once I stopped the pity party, honestly, and started thinking of others instead of woe is me, what's happened to me? Oh my gosh, others need my help. They can't afford the treatment. I'm blessed that I can. I need to fundraise. I need to educate the world about RSD. I saw it as a gift and I call it a gift. Yeah. I have a voice. I have a following. I speak on stages. I write books. I got this gift so I could help others. And that's literally when it all changed for me, Karina. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dr. Terry, I love that because um, a lot of times people start, you know, telling their pretty party and their stories and they carry on and on and on. And I always say, um, there's always a gift in everything. If you look back, there's a gift in everything. It, it makes you the person you are today. And, and, and again, you're not only helping all these people and all your clients, but now you're giving back to these children. That is incredible on its own, um, just to see. It must be it's so heart-rendering for you to see them and then to actually be able to make a difference. Yeah, I've been really blessed. I've been able to, to travel, um, to support groups, to kids that were in hospitals. Um, I speak to their parents. And, you know, we've been very blessed. We've been able to help a large number of children and to really do a lot of educating. So it's a wonderful gift to understand this disease intimately the way that I do, because I do understand what these kids are dealing with and to have the ability to relate to them and speak with them and help parents along the journey and to make sure they're given the right medical advice because very often they haven't been. Mm-hmm. And we have teams of people that we can help and bring. So yeah, I feel very blessed. And to me, that's the reason that you have a business. You have a business so that you can give back to the world. Yes. It's not just to create your, your dynasty for your family, it's to create a legacy. And so the wealth is, is one thing. The bigger part is being able to give back. My husband and I, for the last 12 years, we've been able to do reverse tithing. We give 90% of our income to our foundation and we're able to live off of 10 and that is a blessing. Wow, that's exciting as well to actually get to that level um, to be able to. And then of course, once you start giving, you just uh, the universe just, pays you back in abundance. So that's exciting as well. Um, I just want to go back to your, um, your, your Mexico again, your, your um, healing. So was it just staying in Mexico or did you change diet? Did you, I mean, obviously you started taking care of yourself more. So was it like a holistic kind of thing or was it just being able to just relax and be in this beautiful area of Mexico? So um, the barometric pressure in Mexico is really why folks with RSD uh, go to Mexico. The barometric pressure by itself makes a massive change on our bodies. So I I am there because of that. However, I add to that. Mm -hmm. I do my form of meditation every single day. I do water therapy whether I'm in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Mexico, some form of water therapy every single day. I eat very, very healthy. And I, like, I don't eat sugars. I don't eat flowers. Um, I very little eat dairy. Um, you know, I just, I choose to live in a very holistic, healthy way. 
the body to me is my house. Yes. And my job in life is to take care of my body, mind, and spirit by feeding it things that are good for it all the time. And that's my mm. personal choice. From that, I believe that I have created, you know, the kind of health mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually that has helped my journey with RSD because when I'm not living in Mexico for a large portion of the year, people say, well, are you still okay? Yeah, because I have really worked on my mind, my body, my spirit. And so all of that is very important to me. Um, I do share, by the way, I share things with clients like my mantras, my meditation practice, my gratitudes, intentions, delegation, like all of my practices. So while I'm a business consultant, I bring in a lot of the clinical psychology, a lot of the life coaching and the spiritual and conscious practices that I live. Mm -hmm. I love it. So what does your morning ritual look like then? So my morning ritual starts with what I call GID, gratitudes, intentions, and delegations. So before my feet go on the ground, I give gratitude for whatever it might be. It could be small. It could be waking up today. It could be looking at the ocean. It could be feeling healthy, feeling strong. It could be that my husband is with me. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. I set my intentions and they're not to-dos. I don't have a to-do list. Intentions are how do I choose to feel today? I'm going to determine my feelings. So like for today, I'm going to feel joyful. I'm going to feel connected. I'm going to feel loving. Okay. Those are my three intentions for the day. And it. then my D, G-I-D, are delegations. And this isn't a delegation like here, go post on social media. It's a delegation to the universe. It's, you know what, universe? I don't know how this thing is going to happen. I'm turning it over to you. So as an example, hey, it was a super busy day today. I walked on, along the ocean at five before the sun was even coming up. And I started with clients early and I don't have any breaks. And I go until 7 p.m. today because we're in the middle of a book launch. And so my how was, I don't know how I'm going to find time to eat. And yet I do know I need to nurture my body. So universe, figure it out. And by the way, the universe did. One of my interviews that was scheduled for an hour went 42 minutes. So at the end of that interview, I had a snack. Okay. So GID, after I do that, I go into the shower, hot shower for 15 minutes. And I literally just stand there with the water on my heart. And I allow myself to wake up in that way. Then I do 15 minutes of a meditation. And then the next thing I do is I walk or I work out. And that's every single day how I start my days, no matter what, if it means getting up earlier, so be it. I'm mm -hmm. here to live my life, not to sleep my life. Yes, yes, I love that. And, and it does, and it just sets your day and your tone for, the, for that day, which is really very cool. Yes. Wow, so many things. Um, that's really exciting. So, how, so then again, you felt, you felt freedom. You must have felt an enormous freedom being able to walk again um, after being in a wheelchair for so long. Yeah. How, did, how was that? <laughs> how was that freedom? Well, first, um, every doctor said to my husband and to me that I would never walk again. And I just chose not to believe it. Okay. Every physical therapist, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to believe that. Um, the first day that I stood and it was only for 15 seconds. I remember it to this day. Um, it was exactly 15 seconds. And then I collapsed back down. The next day was 32 seconds. 
that not only felt like freedom, it felt like a key, something was being unlocked. Mm. And it also gave me more determination. And so, you know, 32 seconds went to a minute and three minutes and seven minutes. And then I took a step and then I took two steps. And yes, you know, I initially had a walker and then eventually I had a cane. Um, and then I literally had to almost learn how to walk all over again. Now <laughs> I'm a runner. <laughs> and, uh, I work out with a trainer five days a week. So you know, I've, I'm doing things that, that they will tell you, medically speaking, are not possible. And you find a way or make a way. And it starts here. And it does empower you and it does create freedom. So that's what I say to people all the time is don't listen to what anyone tells you. I love when someone tells me I can't do something. My response is, watch me. <laughs> I'm going to be determined. And if it's going to add to my freedom and my quality of life, I'm going to make it happen. Yes, yes. So tell me a bit about determination and, and um, determination and persistence. Sometimes it feels like it's a heavy, heavy thing. Oh, I've got to persist to do this, and it's heavy. Whereas you survived and you came through this, this incredible um, feat. How did you do it? Where did you get the, the courage to do it? Where did you get the determination to do it? Well, I only do things truly that are easy, effortless, joyful, and fun. Those are, that's how I live my life. If it's not easy, effortless, joyful, and fun, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> and so determination <laughs> for me comes from, if I'm doing this action or activity, what will the result be? So when I first decided to meditate, I asked myself, is this easy, effortless, joyful, and fun? And my answer was no. I'm forcing myself. So mm -hmm. I learned to do a meditation in my own way that's easy, effortless, joyful, and fun. And now I don't have to be determined to do it. I want to do it. Mm -hmm. When I first gave up eating any products that had flour, um, people said, is that, is that fit in with your model of easy, effortless, joyful, and fun? And you know what? I said, yes. Um, food is food and it's not all that important to me. There's other kinds of food that I like just as much as flour. I prefer fruits and vegetables. So I don't find for me that it's as much determination as it is finding a way to make the thing mine, easy, effortless, joyful, and fun. And if it's truly not, I don't do it. If it really is like, this is not fun, I don't do it. People ask me all the time, well, you work out five days a week with a trainer. Oh my gosh. How are you get that determination? I love it. It's a blast. I see muscles. I feel muscles. I love it. I challenge myself. Can I pick up 25 pounds more than I picked up three days ago? Let's do it. So <laughs> I love this. again, it comes from here and it comes from what is the result that you will get? If, if you're doing something and there's really no result, you're probably not going to want to do it. I only do things that are going to bring me much more joy in my life and create a better experience. Yes, and I can see it because, I mean, okay, we're doing the podcast now, so I need to tell you that you, your, your face is radiant, you, your energy is, is high level, and of course, you're powerful, and I love that. Um, so you're just emanating all this energy, and, and it shows by the way you live in your life, which is pretty awesome. Um, tell me a bit about fun. Fun is like a major thing for me in my life. <laughs> um, 
I've watched people as children playing and laughing and rolling on the floor. I always tell clients of mine, just go to a park and hang out and watch kids. Yeah. And then pay attention to the adults with them. The adults have on these faces like the world is so stressful. They're not laughing. They're not being silly. So I recognized early on, very early on, that as adults, people were losing fun. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, um, I was very determined that, yes, I was going to do well in school. It was a lot of money, and I wanted my education. And at the same time, I was going to find a way to enjoy myself. And that has kind of become my mantra for life. There needs to be joy. You know, life is a very precious thing that we have. We, mm-hmm. we know our birth dates. We don't know our checkout dates. Yeah. And I live my life as if every nanosecond could be my last because it can be. Mm. I do a podcast with you because I liked our interaction and I'm like, this would be fun. And so I say, yes, there's somebody else literally who asked me the same date and the same time. And when I went, would that be fun? The answer was no. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do that. So I look at my life and say, how can I make things fun? How can I only choose things that are enjoyable? Now, you may be saying, well, Terry, there are some tasks I need to do that aren't enjoyable. And I'm going to say, really? First of all, do you really need to do them? Or is that a story? And second of all, <laughs> can do them? I don't clean any of my homes. I do not find cleaning toilets to be fun. I just don't. And so I look at life and I make choices, very conscious choices. Will this bring me joy? I like to play like a child and have a good time and laugh and be silly And I don't like to take life as seriously as many adults walk around with all these heavy pressure. And by the way, what are you role modeling to your kids? So that's important. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I I actually love that as well. Um, and, and And you can do it without being afraid of what other people will think. That's a huge thing as well. Um, for me, I also love that. I love going to the park and swinging. It's such mm-hmm. fun and like and laughing and doing silly things. And it takes a while, I think, to to actually get to a point where you can do it and you're okay with disapproving looks from everybody else. In fact, it's quite a lot of fun, really. <laughs> it adds to the fun, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you said that when I was walking. <laughs> I guess last weekend, uh, there's a playground where kids play. It has like amazing swings. And no one seems to walk when it's raining. I think everyone thinks they're going to melt in the rain. I walk. <laughs> so I noticed there were no kids at the park. So I went and I was swinging and I was singing and I was in my own zone. After a few minutes, I looked up and there was a man watching me. And I thought, oh, he must think I'm nuts. So I got off the swing and I was leaving. And he said, I just wanted you to know that watching you just brought me so much joy. So you just never know how what you do as a little speck of the universe affects other people. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. It's also one of my mantras in the morning. I always think, I hope I can touch everyone I meet, even with a smile or just to say hello or and and it and it, it makes such a difference a lot of times because I walk a lot and you're walking and everyone's like looking and you go hello and suddenly their their face lights up and it's wow and that's joy on its own it's really very really cool so I love that inter- that it's beautiful. <laughs> 
Oh, we could carry on talking forever, but I know your, your schedule's really <laughs> varied. So before we go, oh, firstly, before I ask you this, um, where can people find you, Dr. Terry? You, it's so exciting. I want the world to know about you, right? Thank you. Well, my uh, Facebook community is very different, as you know, than most. And I'd love you to come join us there. It's a Facebook group called Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. So you're invited to come there. I also have a completely free class that is super education that I encourage you to watch. And that's at TL, like Terry Levine, TLwebinar.com, TLwebinar.com. And that will literally teach you how to get a conveyor belt of qualified prospects. And then finally, my website, which is heartrepreneur.com. I love that. Thank you. And heartrepreneur, that is the best. I, I, I can understand where you came from. It was it's beautiful. Um, I'd like to ask you, okay, I know you've done so much and you've impacted so many people. Um, so you've already made a change in the world. But what else do you want to ch be? What change do you want to be in the world? Besides already the bigness, how big do you want to get? I want to continue to disrupt the way people are doing business. Uh, I don't believe that people have any idea how to do business today. And they are marketing at people and all their messages are pitches and selling and overcoming objections and manipulation. And I want to disrupt the way people do that. Um, I'd like to have 10,000 more Heartrepreneur family members over the next two years join the already 6,400 of us that have learned to do business this way and are literally changing the canvas of business. Oh, I love that because 10,000 people, even 6,000, because they, they, you impact them and they impact others and others and others and it's just That's it. beautiful, beautiful. Well, I love this. Oh, I love this conversation. We'll have to have another one sometime. Um, I look forward to it. I definitely oscillate with you at the same frequency. It's been <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's been and it's been such an honor and pleasure having you um and and i feel honored that you've accepted my um invitation so thank you for that and um we will see you again soon very soon and um people you really really need to go out and see dr terry and join her group because She's phenomenal, but you can see that already. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Terry. We will see you again soon. Many Bye. blessings. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening right to the end. Now, if you want to know more about breaking fear and if it's keeping you stuck, check out the quiz. The details are below. Subscribe so you can hear some more of this delicious um, conversations and then watch out for my book the clank of chains which is coming out very soon thank you again for being here and we will see you next time bye lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.